Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. Everyone say red letters. Say it again, red letters. Next Sunday is what Sunday? Come on, what Sunday? It's the it's our Super Bowl. It's the church's Super Bowl next Sunday. It's the mo- Without this day, we would be getting together for nothing. If it wasn't for the resurrection of Christ, everything we do, it, this would be for nothing without, the, without Easter Sunday. And so it's so important that this is the time that even the most ungodly atheist will come to church. Because even atheists understand that on Easter Sunday you go to church. So... If you have your your 10 most wanted list or your 10 most hated list or your 10 most uh, they need to get saved list, whatever it is, I want you to start thinking now who those people are. doesn't have to be 10 people, but if you invite 10 people, odds are you might get one or two to say yes. But if you only invite one person, that person might not come. So we're playing the odds. Those of you that go to Vegas, all right? Ask 10, 12, 14, 20, 30 people. Invite them next Sunday. Let's fill this place up and let's get people in the opportunity to where they can hear the gospel and have an opportunity to get to heaven. Amen? Come on. Love God, love people, change the world. And so it's not about us just having a great service. And then after Sunday, next Sunday, after our second service, we have the Easter egg hunt. We got three Easter egg hunts next week. One on Wednesday that we're doing for Arbuckle Community School. One on Saturday that we're doing in, uh, in Milpitas. And then one on Sunday right after church here. We have over 26,000 eggs that we are filling right now. Uh, putting this together for our kids. And we want our kids to have a great time. So tonight at 5 o'clock at the men. Milpitas Church, we're going to be filling eggs, so we invite you to come join us. So turn your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 5. As you're turning there, have you ever noticed in the Bible, if you're reading in the Bible, there's certain passages that are written in red and others that are written in black? What do the red letters symbolize? They're, they're the words that Jesus has spoken. And what we're going to be doing for the next few weeks, I'm going to ask you to do this. Whatever, whatever uh, de- um, devotional that you normally do, continue to do that. But I'm going to ask you to join us by beginning to just read the red letters of Christ for the next few weeks. As you do your devotional time, just go through your Bible and wherever it's read, just read that. You're going to skip all the explanation. You're just going to read. For, and you're going to go through the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You're just going to go through wherever the red letters show up. I want you just to read what Jesus is speaking to you. Amen? Just get what Jesus spoke. Just hear what Jesus is saying. And let's eliminate all the excess and just get to what Jesus had to say. And today... Last week I was supposed to speak on overcoming temptation, but I need to try to stay in line with what we're doing as an organization with Milpitas as well. So I'm going to move on to the second aspect in Matthew chapter 5. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. And Jesus starts off with the Sermon on the Mount. And if you're, you're there with me, Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 3 through 5, we're, we're going to begin to read. It says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. 
For theirs is a kingdom, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those, everyone say bless. bless. Those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. Verse 6, God blesses, everyone say bless. Those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses, come on, work with me, folks. Those who are merciful, and they will be shown mercy. God blesses. Man, you're good. You guys learned fast. That was really good. So God, those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God those who work for peace, for they will be called children of God. God, those who are persecuted for doing right for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God, when, you, when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil against you because you are my followers, be happy about it. Be very glad for great is your reward in heaven. And remember, ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. Bow your heads as we pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Anyone kind of following what we're talking about this morning? Blessed. Someone say blessed. I want you to understand that what Jesus begins to go over are called the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes are are a better way of putting it are be these attitudes. That if you're going to live in the kingdom, this is how God expects us to operate. This is how God expects us to carry ourselves. And so as a United States of America citizen, there are certain expectations that we that, that our government puts on us, certain rights that we have, certain uh, behaviors that are expected of us. One thing about America, that's why there was a big old controversy going on because of Guantanamo Bay and so forth. Because even though when Americans are are, are captured and they are tortured, We expect that from other countries, but we didn't expect that from Americans. That when we capture someone, we don't expect that same kind of treatment because as Americans, we expect a better humanity, a a better standard, if you would. Jesus is talking about as kingdom citizens, there's a certain expectation that God expects, a certain attitude that we are supposed to have as well. And so I want you to see this. He says, blessed. Everyone say blessed. That word blessed is the opposite of woe or cursed. Have you now you might not notice when someone is blessed, but you do notice when someone is cursed. Yet you ever look at them, man, those people are jacked up. Man, bad things are always happening to them. Man, those guys are always going through something. These guys are always having problems. These guys are always struggling through this. Now you know when someone's blessed because you start getting jealous of them. They always find the parking place up in front. They're always got, they're always getting the promotions at work. They're always getting recognized. It seems like, uh, just like favor follows them wherever they go. Now that word blessed in the Greek literally means fortunate or happy is. Now I need you to understand that blessing isn't based on what you have. Blessing is a condition of the heart. That you could be, you, you could not have any money, your, you could have, your wallet could be empty, you could find yourself homeless, but blessing is not based on my possession. Blessing is a condition of the heart. Amen. See, in other words, you could have all those things and still not feel blessed. 
You can live in the biggest mansion, drive the finest cars, eat the, the, the best meals, and still not feel in your heart blessed. I want you to notice of the scriptures we read, three things I want to share with you quickly. Number one, I want you to find from all these things, we're not going to go over all the Beatitudes. I just want to pick out points from this whole thing. Number one, I want you to know that God's goal is for you to be blessed. Say it again, Pastor. You didn't catch that. What's he say? Blessed are, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. Everything. What is God's goal for your life? God wants you to be blessed more than you want the blessings of God. God wants you to be blessed. You take a look throughout the word of God. You see God spent time blessing people. The goal is blessing. Come on, somebody say amen. God blessed mankind when he created them. God blessed all creation. He blessed the fish. He blessed the birds. He blessed the plants. And he told them all to reproduce according to their kind. If God took time to bless a a fish, to bless a goldfish, how much more does God want to bless your life? He blessed Adam and Eve and he said, be fruitful and multiply. He blessed Noah and his sons and told them the same thing. He blessed Adam. He blessed creation. Adam and Eve he blessed. He blessed Mary. Blessed are you among women. He told the children. He brought the children. Blessed and gave blessing to them. And the the, the disciples tried to drive the children away. I would have loved to hear what Jesus spoke to those children. You imagine each one of those kids coming and Jesus putting them on his lap and blessing them? What kind of blessing would God give to a, to a baby? Dude, that just, that just... Imagine what those kids became after the Son of God brought this little four-year-old to him and says, you're going to be a world changer. You're going to shift atmospheres. You're, 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 going to, you're, you're going to transform your environment. You're, you're, going, to bring, you're going to be a business owner. You're, you're going to be a priest. You're going, to do, you're, you're going to have a family. You're going to raise a generation. You imagine those words of blessing that Jesus gave to those children? When Jesus walked the earth. It was all about blessing. And yet we walk around feeling cursed. God wants, listen to me very carefully, God wants to bless you. And many times we feel like we have to fight for blessing. No, you're fighting from blessing, not for blessing. Because God wants you blessed. Come on, somebody say, God wants me blessed. How do I know this? This isn't a New Testament thing. This even in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 8, or chapter 28. Take a look at this. Your towns and your fields will be your children and your crops will be. Now, in those days, your, your crops was your business. That, that was, agricultural system was their business. So when he says your children and your crops, he's saying your children and your business will be. Your offspring and your herds and your flocks will be. Your, first, your, your fruit baskets and your breadboards will be. Wherever you go, whatever you do, you will be. He goes on and says, the Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They will attack you in one direction, but they'll scatter seven. And the Lord will guarantee a on everything you do and will fill your storehouses with grain. And the Lord will. 
you in the land that he has given you. Come on, somebody. Are you following what's going on here? Verse 11, he says, and the Lord will give you prosperity in the land that he swore your ancestors to give. You with many children, numerous livestock, and abundant crops. Again, this is business blessing right here. Verse 12, and the Lord will send rain in the proper time from his rich treasuries in heaven and will all the work that you do and will lend to many nations, but you will never need to borrow from them. Come on, somebody. That's God's promise to you, and that's Old Testament. And the new covenant is even better than that. But there's a condition. Verse 9 of Deuteronomy 28. If you... See, you want blessing, but you don't want to obey. The commands of the Lord your God and in his ways. And the Lord will establish you as a holy people as he swore to do. Verse 13. If you... To these commands of the Lord your God I'm giving you today. And if you carefully... The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You will always be on top, never on the bottom. But you must not turn away from any of the commands I am giving you today, nor follow after any other gods and worship them. I'm here to tell you, God wants to bless you. God wants to make you the head and and we And we repeat that scripture. I'm the head and not the tail, a lender and not a borrower, above and not beneath. But if you don't obey the word, you don't get that promise. You can quote that scripture all you want while you're stuck under the table because it's about obedience. It's about walking in the principles of God. You don't break the principles of God. The principles of God break you. Number two, everyone say number two. I'm almost done, so hang with me. God desires. What was that? Really, bro? Security, need some help with Reverend Sean up here. Bless him, Lord. Everyone just say bless him. Bless him. Number two, God desires to fix what's wrong. He wants to bless you, but he wants to fix what's wrong in your life. You take a look. Let's notice this. Take a look at the, the, the Beatitudes. Poor in spirit, I want to give you the kingdom. If you're mourning, I want to comfort you. If you're meek, I want to give you property. If you're hungry and thirsting, I want to fill you. If you're looking for mercy, I want to be merciful. If you're pure in heart, you're going to see God. If you're a peacemaker around troublemakers, I'm going to make you children of God. If you're persecuted, I'm going to give you my kingdom. And if people lie about you, great is your reward. What God is saying is every problem that you're facing today, if you respond correctly to the problem, to the pressure, to the struggle, if you would just stay in the battle and not give up and you would act like a kingdom citizen I will bless you I will pour out my spirit upon you and nothing will be able to harm you as a result of that come on somebody see I need you to understand all hell is against you all the hell that is against you is equal to the heaven that's ready to break out for you so whatever you are going through right now I need you to know that your problem right now is equal to the promise that's on your life 
So if you have, no, 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 you're not capturing this. If you have a little problem in your life, that means you got a little promise in your life. But if you are facing some big problems in your life, that means that there is a big promise that is equal to your life as well. You don't get a David anointing to be king without having to face some big giants. You keep complaining about the size of your Goliath. Not realizing that Goliath's there not to defeat you, but to empower you. Everyone wants a victory, but no one wants a battle. Everyone wants a miracle, but we don't want an impossibility. Everyone wants a breakthrough, but we don't want a struggle. We want to talk about it, we want to shout about it, but we don't want to be about it. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 says, These hard times, you going through something right now? Put on your big boy panties. We don't wear panties, Pastor Dan. (laughs) These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times. The lavish celebration prepared for us. There is far more here than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today, gone tomorrow, but the things we can't see will last forever. You... Listen, I, I don't know who I'm speaking to, but right now you got to understand your crisis is not the end. Whatever you're facing right now, it's not the end. It's just the beginning. But what you're going through is the birthing process. You're going through the labor pains. You're going through some struggle right now, but that's about to birth something great. The last thing I want to share with you as the worship team comes is this. The Beatitudes aren't just about being blessed. It's not about God just fixing whatever issues we're going through. But the last thing I want you to see, it's about being Christ-centered. Say it again, Pastor. You should have a friend that would always say this when he'd come preach here. This is the kind of preaching you get at conferences that you have to pay for, and you're getting it here today for free. I swear I would never say that, but in my mind, it's going on right now. It's time to be Christ-centered. See, Craig Rochelle, the pastor of Life Church, made this statement. It just really caught my attention. Many of us want to be A Christian family, that's not enough. I believe in Jesus. We're a Christian family. We believe in God. It's not enough to be a Christian family. We must become Christ-centered homes. If you're going to belong to the kingdom... I was born and raised in church, and in church, it was all about accepting Jesus, getting to heaven. 
But Jesus came for more than us having a church service and you getting to heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus died on the cross in order to restore relationship with us and God. So that we can once again get back to Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 and have dominion again. Fill the earth. How's that look? It doesn't mean we all join the church and become ministers. It become great, God-centered business people. Become great, God-centered parents. That God becomes the center of everything that we do. What am I saying? Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. The problem is this, is that we're running after the things, not running after God. You're you're not even hearing me right now. We become, you see, we're not not partly centered. We become off-centered. And we feel okay with this. But the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, in verse verse 6, he says this, God blesses those who are hungry and thirsting for what? For, For justice. Another one says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. That there's a hungering, a thirsting, but we live in a time where everyone's hungering and thirsting after other things. We don't even have an appetite for God anymore. Other things are where we're getting filled by the junk food of the world that we're not even hungry for God anymore. That you get up in the morning and we're, we're more concerned about things than we are about God. What are you hungry for? Psalms 63. Oh God, you are my God. And I search for you. And my soul thirst for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there's no water. Man, what am I saying? We long after success. There's nothing wrong with success. We long after possessions. There's nothing wrong with things. God was never against us having things. He was against things having you. We long after notoriety, after money, after popularity, after acceptance. How many likes did I get on Instagram? How many followers do I have? How many people are on Twitter are are, are recognized? We're looking for acceptance. See, there's a lot of appetites that I have that aren't healthy. Even though I'm married, I'm still attracted to women. I can't act on those appetites because I made a commitment to a lady that I love with all my heart. There are appetites that we have that are destroying us. But you've made a commitment to God. You're, You're married to the Lord. And even though you're attracted to some things, doesn't mean that we give in to those attractions. You you know what I'm talking about even in health. 
There are certain things that, that, that call out to you. Jamin James last week was talking about cookies calling out to him. They cookies call me. There's certain things that we feel appetite towards. But when's the last time you were hungry? Oh, come on, church. When's the last time you were hungry for God? Thirsty for God. I know you Jones for Starbucks or Pete's and in the morning, I got to get my coffee. How about you get your Jesus? I'm down with Starbucks, Pete's, and Phil's. I'm, I'm down with that. You know me, I'm eight-shot PD. I'm, I'm down with that. I love coffee, okay? I'm down with the, with, 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 but God can't be just a part of your life. He has to be the center of our lives. He's either Lord of all or not Lord at all. God needs to be the center of my marriage, of my family, of my business, of my hobbies. How dare us put a sport in front of God? I love the Raiders. They don't love me back, but I, 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 love, I love sports. But they, Al Davis didn't die on the cross and raise again for me. We got to love God more than our business, our hobbies, our car, our family. Yeah, even our family. What, what, but Pastor, that sounds, you're, you're, you're pushing it here. Let me tell you something. When I love God even more than my wife, then I know how to love my God, my wife, like God loved the church. As I close this morning, I want to challenge you. If you're not there, I'm not here to make you feel guilty. But I am here to challenge you like a coach to get you to another level. That's what I'm doing this morning. I want to stir you up because why? I want you to be blessed. And I'm doing this for selfish reasons. Because when you're not blessed and you're cursed, guess who you call to fix the pieces? Guess who has to deal with all the crap? Because you refuse to be blessed. Because you refuse to put God first. Because you refuse to prioritize God in your life. And then when the marriage falls apart, when the family starts falling apart, when the finances start falling apart, you're calling me while I'm with my family and trying to build my family and take care of my household. You're calling me to drop everything to be there for you because you refuse to do things the right way and put God at the center and to be blessed. 
so help me. Help you. Help me. Help you. Help me. Help you. By getting your priorities straight. I'm speaking to every dad, every father, every husband in this house right now. Man up. Start putting Christ as the center of your home. How do we know when we're putting Christ as the center of our home that all of a sudden going to church isn't even a question? It's what we do. Praying with the family isn't a question. It's what we do. Bringing Christ into the home isn't a question. It's what we do. I want you to be blessed. I need you to be blessed. Please. Stand to your feet with me this morning. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash CWC Bay Area.